Um, I get to uh, introduce today's speaker. Uh, he used to be my youth pastor, and uh, I said just a minute ago, I was talking about how that, I was thinking about what, what do I say about James, because James is, is awesome and cool and, and crazy, and, but you know, one of the things the Lord w- was speaking about was, is it, in, in, what impressed me the most about this man and his family is as a young child, I sat in church not knowing whether or not I wanted to serve God myself, you know, and, and I watched a man and a woman who did not serve God get radically transformed, and today they are a product of what God did in their lives. I saw in my own church their lives transform the atmosphere of, of a church. And so, so it's encouraging to me, and it encouraged me as a young child to believe that God is still active in people's lives. So this morning, I get to introduce the area director of um, a First Priority uh, Pastor James Cato, I love you, man. Yeah, give him a clap. During uh, during the intermission of service, I, I went to him and I was just loving shaking hands. Like, man, I hope I didn't mess you up as your youth pastor. You run into all these kids and, and different people, and and you wonder if what what you've done has has hit the mark. You know, we we think the same thing about Christianity is is what we're doing hitting the mark and. Go ahead and click on that first slide. You're going to find out that if we don't do something, the reality is that Christianity could desperately, desperately be lacking and could be gone forever. And you say, how could that be so? If you did not watch that video, you'll realize that those last few slides were actually local students in high schools and elementary schools in our community. But those first slides were actually stats and statistics of the day of Alabama State teens alone. And that should bother you that they're dealing with literal hell on earth and that there, there is a spiritual solution and, and it's not necessarily going to be the church. That one high school, I, it's okay if I tell you, that was Hueytown High School. It's a brand new school. If you'll notice, about 25% of those students in that room do not go to a church on a regular basis. They come to first priority and they say, this is our church because it's relevant, it's real, and it's non-threatening. Church can be threatening in a lot of ways that we portray this, this, this essence of being so perfect and having it all together and, and, and sometimes even hypocritical. And I hate to use that word with Christianity, but the world ties the word hypocrite with Christianity and that could be literally the end of us. So we are called as Christians to do more than just to get saved and sit around and wait for our ticket to be punched that we get to open up our eyes and wake up in heaven. We are called into the ministry of reconciliation that we get to partner with Christ to tell everyone the hope that we have. Check out this first scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13. You know, I wish maybe if someone would just tell Christians, that's me too, is that this is not going to be easy to do, by the way. That, you know what, you're, you are going to deal with situations in your life where it's just a lot easier just to be quiet and cower down and, and not say anything, but when we do that, we miss our divine appointments to tell other people why it is every day we can wake up and step out into the world and say, hey, look out world, devil get ready, here we come. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. See, I wish we could stop there, and I didn't do that in the first service, but you know what? It's literally a test of your personal faith that whether you are everything that you say that you are, 
And it's easy to step into a church as a non-believer and tell who really is who they say that they are. You can tell in their worship. You can tell in the looks on their face. You can tell in their actions before and after service. Isn't it easy to come to church and get in a hurry and slip out so you don't have to talk to anybody? I'm so bad about that. I'm repenting right now, Christy. <laughs> come on, let's just hurry. Let's get in here. Let's get, get out. People need you. You realize that you were saved to serve, not saved to be this saint exalted on your little pedestal in your throne, but to come down off of that as Christ came off and served and seek to save the lost. And if you're saved, you're called to do that, not just sit around and go through the motions of Christianity. This is the dub and remix version. It's weird doing this twice, by the way. It's easier to do it in the morning than to go home and do it again later. You'll get more stuff out of this one than the people got out of the first one because there's one guy who's just looking at me like this. Move me if you can, sir. God bless him. Your test every day whether or not your faith is genuine, real, and relevant because kids know. Your friends know. Your family knows whether or not your walk is real. All they got to do is drive by your house when Alabama loses and watch a TV fly out the window. They know not. All, this is real deal here. All I got to do is look at your Facebook and I can tell if you're saved or not. I can tell where your relationship with Christ is not by the things, stupid things you post or the things that you're, you're aggravated about. Teenagers, isn't it easy to go home and post that, that school was awful today? Or school, you know, the S-U-X word, whatever you want to say. You don't know if y'all say that, but I'll say it. But do you realize that school is the third largest mission field in the world? School is the third largest mission field in the world. The number one largest mission field in the world for you is your own family. And they don't know whether or not what you've got is real because it's never been presented to them in a way that, that changes their life because they see no change in your life. But if Christ has come to save you, then listen to this. He said, but rejoice in so much that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I like having a bad day, Joey. Why? I get to show him Jesus. Every day is not going to be a walk through the, through the rose garden for us. Let's just be honest about it. It's going to be hard sometimes. It's going to be difficult sometimes. But we have to choose every day to walk in his glory that comes out of us that gives us a reason to smile. Did you see the girl with her hand with a smile on it? We all do that. I'm having a great day. I'm on 25 prescription drugs. I feel like I'm on cloud nine. That's not Christianity. A weak non-believer. Now I hate to say that. Maybe you're on prescription drugs. I'm sorry, but Jesus is my Prozac. I'll just tell you right now. He's the best peace that I've ever found. He's the only hope that that really defines who I am. So I don't have a problem talking about taking stuff to the doctor, but meeting the physician on my face, and then things happen. But us as Christians, why can't we just be genuine about our faith and say, you know what? Here we are, world, look out. The devil, when you got up this morning, he should be going, oh, snap. Please don't get up. Please just stay at home and don't talk about me. Please don't get excited about, you know, your Lord and Savior. He knows him just as much as you do. And as long as you're not talking about him, you are not a threat to the kingdom of evil. But you can be an asset to the kingdom of God if you'll realize this one. Click to the next slide, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. 
that God himself stepped out of heaven and chose 12 men who could not make it in their own professions. Isn't that cool to tell me that just because I mess up at what I normally do that Jesus would take my imperfections and use it? I like that. Jesus loves taking the less desirable things of this earth, the earth that the earth does not see that it can profit with, and he says, I can add that to the kingdom. And he looks at you this morning and says, you know what? These are people that I can use. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. King James, come and follow me and I will make you. You love to, I don't know if you'd like to do that. John, I like to take my finger sometimes, just drop it in the middle of the page and say, hey, what's the Lord saying? Come and follow me and I will make you. Make you what? Make you available? Make you more like Jesus and less like the world? Because you, you can't read Romans chapter 12 and find out that if I'm transformed by the renewing of your mind that I don't, I don't conform to the world. And these men had to stop being conformed to their normal aspects of life and be transformed into carriers of the greatest message in the world because they had to do number one. Click the next slide. You've got to say, you know what, Lord? I make myself available. But you know what? To be a real witness for Christ, you've got to say, Lord, send me these divine opportunities to share who you really are in my life. Yielded your life to God, available for service. And see, the cool thing about being a part of First Priority, we actually have FP kids. It's in elementary schools. It's third and fourth grade students, all the way up to fifth grade. And they, Crumley Chapel is one of our, our starting schools. And come in there, and they I mean, they're fired up about the Lord. There's about 200 of them there. There's only about 200 plus students in the whole school. So uh, almost the whole school shows up for first priority, and they get, they get in there, and they go through a little scripture, and they read. And my first time there, it was like a fourth grader tried to witness to me because he saw my tattoos and my hair, and he was afraid that I was going to hell. It's really cool. He's like, sir, have you heard about Jesus? And he began to go through the ABCs. You know, you got to admit you're a sinner. You know, you're marking up your body, and you got to confess, and you got to believe. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. If I let him think that I got resaved, but I wanted to. <laughs> really wanted to. Because what if you and I were that passionate about being available every day of our lives? Because you get to live this life. I don't know what the oldest person in this room, I don't know the youngest person in this room, but you think about every day of your life, if you woke up saying, Lord, here I am, send me, use me. And when we do that, you know what God does? His hand of blessing follows us in our lives regardless if it's, if it's way up here or if it's way down here is that he still covers us because we stay committed. That's the problem with Christianity. There's no longer a total commitment of all self and life to the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ where we're willing to say, if i got to die for this, I will. Armando, we don't want to do that. I don't want to die for this. I don't, I don't want mass gunmen to be outside the church and I have to run and duck and cover to my car. You know what I say? bring it on. How can I say that? I'm secure. Why am I secure? Because I know where I'm going if this is it. And I know that I hopefully I've done everything that I'm called in the message of Jesus Christ. Are we doing that? Have we said, Lord, you saved me not to just get by, but to overcome and to move with authority. And the number two, think about it. So you make yourself available. Number two, you pray. And see, when I get into these, you're going to realize this transforms your walk because you've been empowered. Do you think the Lord's left you defenseless? I know it's been Call of Duty. I don't play video games that much. I do a little Wii Mario Kart, do a little Wii Yoga and Fitness. Woo! 
But do you realize if we pray about everything uh, on all occasions and prayers and hymns and supplication be known to the Lord, that because we made ourselves available and we communicate with God, things begin to change because we rely on a power source that is greater than any power source in the world. Third grade boy, said this in the first service, little booger hanging out his nose, little hair up crazy because he must have been sticking his head out of the bus window on the way to school. It's first, it's first priority. And so the cool thing about first priority is student-led, student-initiated. They, they run the club. They get up and read Scripture and pray with each other. And a third-grade boy gets up, and he, we just say, hey, man, who wants to pray? And he's like, ooh, I want to pray. We've had kids do the Lord's Prayer, pray for the cat, pray that school lunch doesn't make him sick again. I mean, it's been all there. Pray the math teachers, the devil gets saved. I mean, we've had it all. This little boy stands up. He says, it's your turn to pray, and I tap him. It's your turn to pray. And he bows his head. And I, I mean, you can tell what the nomination is. He, Let's all stand and bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, my daddy said if we went to church and loved you, that you would put our family back together, and you did. Amen. That's all I could say. No kid was moving. There wasn't a single teacher who stood there and knew this boy's life. Is that if we teach young people to pray, God moves. He's sick of our junk. Because we say the same thing over and over again, and we expect God to do something when we don't do anything for him. See, that's selfish prayers. We, we expect God just to show up because we got authority and we're sons and daughters. God can't move on the behalf of complacency. He never has and he never will. But God moves when there's a broken heart for what his hit heart is broken. And when we call him, he inclines his ear and he answers us. And you know what? He answered that little boy's prayer. And he changed his life and his world and all those around him. He became a living testimony at that point. And see, the next week, because of that boy's testimony, because Jesus put our family back together, a Muslim young man came in that room and read out of the Holy Word and accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And a whole life, a whole family all changed because someone understood the spark of the Holy Spirit that's embedded inside of us gives us the fire to accomplish God's will and his work if we'll rely on it. And you know what? It changed the whole life because of these is that we're not supposed to be bored. You know what? I don't like boring Christians. Does that mean? How's your, how's your spiritual walk? Eh, it's good. Really? That's impressive. You're boring. <laughs> Christianity's not supposed to be boring. We're supposed to have it all together and be a smile, have a little pep in our step, and walk outside and, hello, sunshine, here we come. But no. We're some of the most depressive, dark, judgmental people in the world because really we hadn't figured it all out is that why would someone want that mess? So why not make your walk real and realize, hey, dude, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm just leaning on Jesus. You want to join me? And smile because of this one. John the Baptist declared, I baptize you with water, but he will come and will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Boy, they don't like that one. They don't like that one at all. I'm just having a personal conversation with the Lord, by the way. Because that's an uncomfortable subject to talk about, to realize that without that, I expect to be effective when it is the Holy Spirit that draws men to God and not me. 
because I speak not my own words, but the words that proceed out of the mouth of the Lord. And when he spoke, he spoke with authority because look what Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth and wish it was already kindled. I like to say fire. I dare you to walk in the airport and scream, bomb, bomb, bomb. Ha, ha, ha. Hello, cavity search. Well, there's not many people going to go walk around going, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, welcome to my world. You shouldn't have to do that. Why does Christianity have to be a show? It's not a show. You ain't proving anything to anybody. You're just doing that for yourself, and that's all about all the glory you'll receive. But when you, what you do, you do it for the glory of the Lord. And when you speak, you know what your words are going to be? They're going to be peace. They're going to be honey. You speak into someone's life because you're not ashamed to talk about the gospel that saved your life and come to your life because this is the God we serve, our God. Consuming fire and a jealous God. Have you ever been in love? Armando, you ever been in love? Hey, baby, how you doing? Why is it when guys get on the phone with girls they like when we're younger and we don't know any better is that we try to make our voice all, hey, you want to go to McDonald's? I'm buying. Big deal. I know a young lady when I was in kindergarten. I talked about her in the first service. She had pigtails, little red bows. I was the playground stalker. I watched her sneak around. That's what I thought, too. That's what I thought, too. I cry out. Little crayon drawings, say yes, check the box, X or no, you know, whatever. Something, dude. She was a hoochie mama. Because I thought she was going to go out with me. I thought, well, I know we'll go to lunch together, go to the playground together, play dodgeball together, maybe on Red Rover, Red Rover. She called James right over. Yeah! No, but I looked around the corner of the tire swing, and there she is holding someone else's hand. I threw more rocks and gravel that day than I've ever thrown in my life, and they had no idea where they're coming from because I hid behind a tree and threw them. And I prayed that I hit her right in the face because I was jealous. Imagine how much more jealous our God is when we don't do what we're called to do for him. He loves us so much, and he gives us these opportunities, and he would stand there and go, don't you know that I've already been there for you, and if you'll just share me and talk about me and and make yourself available for me, that I would open up a door for your friend to receive me, and it would change their lives. But we're not willing to do that because we're not willing to make ourselves available for that, so we stand back out of the crowd, and we don't want to be boisterous. But you know what? It's time for us to start talking. The enemy loves it that you're here this morning because he knows if he can just get you here and just worship here and not worship outside the four walls, that you're cool with him. But it's time that we do more than just be cool with going through the motions, but to make ourselves available to share the love and the message of Jesus Christ with every person that comes near. Because click the next scripture. Look at this one. You need to come to church with me. It's so fun. Really? What what, what am I going to get out of it? Well, you know... They're nice people. They take baths. They're clean. The deacons aren't standing by the front door smoking. You can walk through. Without, oh, did I sorry I said that? Because look what Jesus himself says about those who come to him. It better be spirit-ordained, spirit-led, and spirit-guided. That's mean we can't leave out the Holy Spirit and be afraid to talk about it. We've got to tell young people about it. They need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They need to operate in the gifts in the Spirit. And you know what? A little speaking in tongues never hurt anybody. 
Just read the book of Acts, find out. It's in there, I promise, I didn't make it up. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent them draws me, and I will raise them up in the last day. Isn't it time we see young men and women raised up the right way, the right direction, with the right motivation? Why can't we be more like this? That at every opportunity, every chance that we get, that we're not afraid to stop and pray. Even if it costs us our job, even if it costs us our lives, even if it costs our place in society, but we're not willing to do that because we rely on the world system more than we rely on God's system. Don't you think if God cares about the sparrows in the sky and the lilies in the field, that you, his chosen possession, that if you stand for him, he's not going to raise you up and make another way for you? If you trust him that much, you'll live for him. Young person, I challenged about a week ago, a group of young people, they were getting ready to go back to school. And I don't know if they, they learned about prayer or about witnessing or whatever, I don't know. But I love it when young people witness and share their faith. And sometimes in these high schools, you'll see young men and women get up and they've, they've got this they did wrong in their lives. And they say, I was this, this, and this. And then they read a favorite scripture that applies to their life and they say, but all because of Jesus. I'm a new creature in him. And I'm no longer the same, but I've been changed. And they read it. And it changes people's lives because their testimony becomes real. And they walk onto their campus and they're not afraid to stop and pray on every, on every, over every occasion. Think about this, young person. I would love to get called to a principal's office because they couldn't get you to shut up and stop praying. That's happened to me once. I challenged a young man at Minor High School. I said, the next time they have silent prayer, stand up on your desk and pray. I didn't really mean to stand up on it. I just, you know, just be excited about it. He stands up and he prays. He calls out in the name of the Lord. He said, Lord Jesus, touch our school, touch my classroom, touch my teacher. Devil, come out. No, he didn't say that. It would be funny if he did say that. <clears throat> you go to this, like, what are you teaching these kids? I'm just teaching what the word of the Lord says, that, that we're to pray and not to be ashamed of the gospel. So why not, young person? I know there's so much drama. Adults, we got drama too. We got more drama with our in-laws than we ever want to talk about. God, help them. You want to talk about a mission field? How about witness to your family? How about really talk to them on a, on a real level and stop avoiding them like the plague when the caller ID shows up? You go, oh, you know who it is. Hide. They're here. Get down. We've done that. Well, how awful are we? They're coming. Just shut everything off. They can't see the cars. And you run through Walmart like the plague's in there because you're afraid you have to run into people that you have to tell something to them. I just ain't got time. Man, I'm in a hurry. Why not bust up in the ice house? Why not bust up in the gas station? Hey, attention shoppers, just want you to know if you need Jesus, all three's open. We ain't willing to do that. It sounds ridiculous. You know what? It sounded ridiculous in Jesus' day too. And he did it. And he wasn't ashamed, because look at this next scripture. You don't know about the word witness? Look at this. When Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you, you realize that's me and you? I've been given authority from my Father to speak about him, regardless of what others would think about me. And if I spoke about him, you know what? He said he's going to reward me if I diligently, every day of my life, at every place that I go, 
say, we can't, we can't do that. Some Christians will approach total strangers and begin to tell them about Jesus. Dude, that's outside my comfort zone. It is going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes our actions will speak louder than any word that we ever say. Because all the world has to do is really look at your face. Like this morning, you know how hard that is? I mean, I know you do, worship guy. And you look out and it's just like, I'm like, dude, you need to be baptized again. But when people see us, do they see Jesus? Do they see that inherent spark that was birthed in every human being in this room from the infancy of the earth that God saw you and said, let us create man and woman in our image, and bam, there you were, just like he wanted you to be. That you represent him, and you are the representation of his glory on the earth. All God's glory comes alongside you and partners with you. And when the world sees that, they should want it. But a lot of times what they see is the frustration the anger, the guilt, the shame, and we say, I don't have time. Just tell you, people are dying and going to hell. And does that bother you? It bothers me. It bothers me to the point where, you know what, I'm willing to, to, to be charismatic enough to talk. I'll talk to a pile of doo-doo if I got it. Hey, dude, you need to clean up or something. You need to get smelling right. So yesterday I went on the, my little walk in the woods. I'm trying to get my fitness on, P90X, whatever. It's killing me. God bless them. And I walk in the woods just to get, you know, focused on. It's right over here, man. It's great trails right over here by the elementary school. You can fish in a mud hole and catch fish. I'll show you the pictures to prove it. Jesus said throw it on the right side. I did. I caught fish. I'm not even kidding. That fish looked like it had more nuclear chemicals in it than any other fish I ever caught. It was weird. I'm like, this is strange. And the last time I was over in the woods, I met a a man that lives on the Campbell Loop over there, and he walks his dog, a little chihuahua. I thought I was going to attack by a werewolf or something. It's a chihuahua coming out of the woods like this. Funny. I kick that dog. But for about an hour, I walked with this man. And I I really don't even know his name. Uh, He told me last time, and we walked, and we're talking about, you know, all the history in our area. Do you realize there was a World War II powder plant over there, and it blew up during, you know, not like all the devastation, all the stuff still there. That's why it's called powder leaks. They, they made power for, uh, powder for the war. And he showed me the little beacon thing where it was like a beacon for planes or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I just began to, you know, just share with him. He's, what are you doing? I was like, man, I just come out here and I just talk to the Lord and focus in on things and kind of tell him a little about what I do and, and stuff like that. And, and the opportunity, you know, I, I'm like, what am I going to say to this guy? You know, because every other word out of his mouth, you know, he, he might slip in a little cuss word here or there. You know, it's like, it's no big deal, you know. And then I just begin to think, you know, it's like, Lord, this strange man out in the woods was sitting here for me to be tested to see whether or not I'll talk about you. Because it would have been very easy just for me to walk on and do what I was doing and worry about my toxic and laden fish and not say a word to this guy. I said it. Can I pray for you? Sure. He didn't say no. Because you know what? It took two times of meeting out in the woods to build a relationship. She made myself available. Hey, dude, how you doing? It's great to see you in the woods. Hey, I almost got bit by a snake. Run, it's a bear. No. Hey, dude, I'm out here with you. 
And he allowed me to pray with him. And I, I, I really didn't know what to pray. I didn't know his situation. I just said, Lord, I, I thank you for, for, for friends. I just said, Lord, I thank you for friends. I thank you for you and the opportunity to, to share you. And, and, and that was it. You know, it's just basic. Opened my mouth and made myself available. And the seed is planted. And that's all God really wants is people who are willing to invest in lives and plant seeds that God waters through his Holy Spirit. Because click to this next one. Here it is. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Mount Olive, in Kimberly, in Morris, in Gardendale, in Hayden, in Fultondale, Summerton, and Dora. See, I love to think that it says all those things because it does. It says that we are to go and be the representation of Christ, willing and waiting to plant seeds everywhere we go. We should literally carry a bag of seeds around and just start sowing and throwing and letting God do the rest. But you've got to walk in humility. That's right, I'm a Christian. I've got plaques on my wall where I've been to school and class. I know theology. I have all the doctrine that I need, so I'm a better Christian than you. You tell that to that third grade boy who got up and prayed and God changed, changed his school because of that. Then you tell me how smart you are. Because if we're so smart, we'd be telling more people. If we were so smart, there wouldn't be room in here. If we were so smart, we'd realize that our family and our friends are our greatest mission field and circle of influence. There wouldn't be a single person dying going to hell if we're doing our part. But it's a question of whether or not if we do it enough. Click this next scripture. Because look at this. You know, make yourself available. And see, this is a big one because it's going to cost you something that's probably the most valuable possession you have. It's called time. Because it's easy to go home after church and veg out. And we do it. Don't we do it all the time? We hide. <laughs> we do, man. It's funny. It's easy to get in your own program and plan. But imagine if we walked around concerned whether or not we were doing our job. If we walked around thinking at any minute, this could be, this, I could get fired. Think about how more diligent we would be to know that if you just produce on a job is that you get a raise and you get a promotion because people perform. But we don't see the benefits of Christianity here right now. Let's be honest. We don't, we don't see the need to go around and tell you there is a need and people's lives are being changed. And when you see fruit from their lives, there's your reward. That should be enough to motivate you to do exactly what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. Take up the cross daily and follow me. I don't know about you, but that tears me up. Because it's easy to wear Jesus on a T-shirt and Jesus on a tag and, and carry Bibles and have books in your house. We, we got more than those books. I ain't going to lie. I ain't have to have those books. We got all this Jesus stuff all over the place. You know, and, and if you come to our house, you think, man, they got the Lord. Well, I mean, we do got the Lord, but you, don't judge it off our stuff. It's not about all those things. It's not how I represent behind or in front of people, but it's how I represent behind closed doors. And it's how you represent when you're walking around. Can they literally see that, that you yourself have partnered with Christ and you care that you care? Because here's the reality, if you care or not, these are the five things that will motivate and change your life forever because you'll be yielded to this. Why should we share the gospel? Don't you love God? See, that's not a to me to ask you whether or not you love God. All we got to do is look at your worship life. 
All we got to do is look at your prayer life. All we have to do is do a little spiritual test of looking outside the window. Can you imagine if we had a camera that just follow us around 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Would it prove that we really love God in everything that we do? Because if we love God, it's not going to be a problem for us. It's not going to bother us that we have to go out of our way and love unlovable people. I am not an Alabama fan. Come on. Come with me. If you're an Alabama fan, we're going to have prayer for you today. No, I'm kidding, dude. I don't know this guy. What's your name? Michael? Oh, that's cool. It's biblical. It's biblical, too. I love this guy. I can honestly stand here and say today that it would bother me to think or even, even know that maybe there's a chance that he don't know Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior, but because we were both created in the image of God that we're totally different, but we do totally have this commonality is that Christ loves us equally, and I've got to love you. Even if you didn't wear deodorant, he's good. Why can't we love people who are not like us? That's what it's all about. Jesus didn't just love Jews. He loved us all. So you and I got to really care about each other. We got to stop being in such a hurry to get into our own lives that we're willing to get in each other's business because we care. Thank you, Michael. Now I know your name forever. Because of this one. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore we all die. I'm willing to do that for you, Michael. At all. I can honestly say that. Because you know what? Every day a little piece of us has to die so Christ can be more revealed. All you have to do is read John 3 and 30 and that becomes a reality to you. Less of me and more of him. You ever read stories of concentration camps where men would stand in front of firing lines and give their lives for their friends because they wouldn't rat somebody out? You want to talk about giving your life? You're being ratted out every day that you don't stand in front of your friends and say, here's the reality, here's the truth, let me tell you about Jesus. And when you step out of the way, you know what happens? They take the bullet of hail because you weren't willing to tell them because you know what? If you loved them enough, you'd talk about it. Click to number two. Compassion for others. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This is Matthew chapter uh, nine, verse 36. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God has given you a flock of influence. And the reason they are are led astray is because there's no one to lead them. And God will use you, I promise you, if you make yourself available. Say, leave on my family, all the circle of my influence, all the friends on my Facebook, they need to know where you stand and you need to, to realize that they are hopeless and helpless if you don't take them to the great shepherd. And it's really you leading them to Jesus with his help. You taking them to that place where maybe they do what the the fourth grade boy thought I was going to hell. He was worried about my eternal salvation. Maybe it comes to you sharing scripture or just stopping to pray or take a moment out of your time because you generally care about their needs. Not just how much word you have. The word inside of you not used is useless. But the word that comes out of you is effective and it hits the mark and it changes people's lives. So you know what do we do? We teach fourth and fifth graders how to witness for Christ with our hand. Because we hope that they realize the importance of what it means to live and die for Christ as much gain is that we give them the Romans road and then we show them with their hand and we teach them to stick up your little thumb and they don't know who Arthur Fonzarelli and most of here, Henry Winkler, he's really cool. Hey. So we teach them like, hey, you want to present the gospel? All right. 
Write your, your scripture in your hand, know that, but then put up your thumb and say, you know what? God loves me. I'm cool with him. But sin separates me from God. And they do the little gun thing. And then I said, stick up your burger finger. Like, oh, Mr. James just gave us the finger. We had a little kid say that Jesus puts the F you in fun. Did you just? But look at that. If your finger's not been chopped off or you were just born with a weird finger, that finger will always be taller than that because the blood of Christ covers all sin. And all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we teach them that. Dude, and they'll go around like this. Jesus loves you. And they'll go, you know what that, Mr. James, they say, that's, you know what that is? That's commitment. And if you commit your life to Christ, he'll cover your sin and put you in relationship with God. If you got a little bit of this, no, not a booger. Faith. And you know what? They get passionate about this. Dude, they, they write down scriptures and stick them in people's locker. They, they tear pages out of old Bibles that they get at the thrift store and share it with their friends. It's because they care and they're moved when they see a need. They meet the need instead of having a committee to talk about how to meet the need. They go where the need is, and that's what Jesus did. And that's what he's calling us to do, to go where the needs are. Yes, there can be needs inside the church, and you can come and you can get all the prayer you want, but you realize the needs that are outside these four walls, there's spiritual darkness in the lives of people who don't have the hope of Christ, and he's just looking for hope dealers. Why can I say that? I used to be a drug dealer in high school, young lady, really did. Sold drugs in the seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Got arrested in the 10th grade for selling drugs. Seriously. I was a drug dealer at my school. But I had to come to a point of repentance and realize that everything that I was doing was null and void. And no matter what I did, I'd never be successful without Christ Jesus. And you know what? That changed me forever. No longer do I deal dope, but I deal hope. I'll just give it to you. I'll tell you about it. I'll share it with you. If I got to pray with you, if I got to get dirty with you, you know what? This is kind of weird. Why don't you just call somebody and talk to them about praying with them? We don't want to do that. It takes too much of my time. That's why, you know what? I've took a whole new lease on life on telemarketing. Please call. <laughs> call our house, you foreign guy trying to tell me I need AT&T. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Give me five and I'll listen. Thank you, no, but you will say yes to Jesus. Why not? See, that's witnessing. Oh, it's them again. Why? Don't, don't take your phone off the hook. Well, I know some of us do that. Or cut the ringer off. It's like we don't know if it's ringing while it's flashing. Just answer the phone because you care about people. Do you think Jesus would, you would get a busy signal with Jesus? No one in this room has ever called on the Lord, got a busy signal and said, call back later. I'll die for you later. I'll come to earth later. He said, I'll move now on your behalf. So how much more should we move now on the behalf of people who desperately need to feel the love and the compassion of Jesus? It means you're going to have to get dirty. You may have to give up position, but it's going to be worth it. Look at the next one. I like this one. I'm just going to go home and hide in my basement and get a bunch of MREs and water. You know, remember Y2K, how stupid everybody got? Oh, it's all crashing in. I had people in my family storing up water. It's like, you're going to drink that water and get diarrhea. That's what I told them. I was like, you know, all that food your binds going to going to waste. Because you know what? What? Dude, why were we so concerned about things that are out of our control? When God is in the ultimate control of everything, but we can't control this. This is coming. It could come for you today. And Lord forbid anything happened to anybody but in this room. But you think about it, if you lived every day on purpose, 
You lived every day on the intent that you wanted to share the Lord with just one purpose? Most churches don't see five people get saved in a year. How many people could you get saved? You live in the world. They'll never live in the church. Because this should be a motivation for you. Now this is is hard. It says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us will receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It's a record. You know, the cool thing is when I came to a point of repentance and I called in the name of the Lord, all my past junk is gone. I'm rewriting my own pages. You, my friend, can begin to rewrite your own pages in that book. All you have to do is do something about it. Because if you know this is coming, I want to be in right standing with God. He says, since then we know uh, what is to fear of the Lord. We try to persuade others that we are as plain to God that I hope it is also plain to your conscience. Does it not bother you that this could happen to you? And if people are dying around you and going to hell, that could be on you. See, that's gospel. That's hard gospel. But it's truth. All you have to do is read Ezekiel 32 and 33 and you'll find out watchmen on the walls of the city were placed there to warn the city of impending danger and when they didn't, they were put to death. Innocent blood on the hands of saints is a dangerous thing when we don't care enough to stop and tell others of the blessed hope of Jesus. Not to judge, not to rebuke, not to create, which that's the word of God's all for. They don't need you to do to love them. Well, they're just too sinful. So were you. They're just too messed up. So were we. They're just too far gone. God never saw you and said, you're too far gone. He saw you and said, I see potential. I see someone that has resources that I can use that change the course of this. Go to the next one. Oh, I like this one. Me and Dawson, on the way back from football last year, he's nine years old, he's 10 now. We would get in this, like, I don't know, I would, I would call it an ADD hyper moment. What if Jesus was to come back right now? And we could actually get pretty excited about it. I was like, man, we, we, just, we, just, we just swerve off the road, car be gone. And we wouldn't even be there. We'd just open our eyes and wake up with Jesus, dude. And for, like, for a week, he was all fired up about this. He said, you think he'd come today? Like, I don't know, man. It'd be cool if he did. But when you really think about how selfish that is, Maybe that's good with you because you're saved, but it ain't good for all the people who are not. It's not good for those people in your family that you won't know whether or not they're there or not, and we're so selfish about our own, our own salvation that we don't worry about our other brothers and sisters around us because, see, this is it. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some, as some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. Don't you love him? is that he didn't come yesterday because maybe he knew you wasn't right today. I think those ways. I think he loves me that much, is that he gives me every opportunity to do it better the next day. If I get to open up my eyes in the morning, I get to be another witness for him for another day here on this earth, hoping I made the best of every opportunity in every moment. And it's not going to be you just carrying your Bible around, waving it, and having a a Bible flag on your car, playing scripture as you go down the street. It's going to be your actions in front of other people. Why would they want to follow uncommitted, inconsistent people who walk around looking like it's the end of the world every day? They're looking for hope. So why don't put on a smile? Yes, you, sir. 
the smile. Because there's something inside of you. There's something inside of you that gives you life. There's something inside of you that motivates you to live this stuff out loud because you understand this. Is that he's waiting and watching at the right time, the apt moment to show up. And when he shows up, what's he going to catch you doing? Go to the, the next one and the last one. And see, I don't, I don't think we, we talk about hell enough. Because when you're confronted with the gospel, you know what it literally does? Not only does it convict you of your sin, but hell can be scared out of you. In so much that you realize that the state you're living in now is not the state you want to be in. Because you see Christ has made a way and given you a future in him. You see, it's cool to be able to go into high schools and explain this hope to young people. To tell them that, you know what, you got a choice to make. Heaven or hell. We all have that choice in here to make. See, that's the cool thing with this. This one can't do nothing with this one unless it stands up. And then when this stands up, this has to go away. Because this is really what's going to get me. This is the thing that's going to separate me. And I cannot tell you the greatest sin and the greatest threat to Christians is Christians not willing to share their faith. But to sit in a church that's beautiful and be comfortable and never feel convicted that there are people in their community dying and going to hell around them and all God's doing is waiting on you to stand up because when you do, it's going to come out of you. And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were open. Friends, here it is. Another book was open which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name is not found in the book of life it's thrown into the fire. Let's all stand. Mr. Piano Man, please come. I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. Can I tell you, I've delivered the same message about 40 times in the state of Alabama. And it never grows old to me. You say, why would you preach the same thing? Because I'm passionate about people being the kind of witness that they need. Is that people can not only get saved here, but they can get saved out there. They can get saved at my work. They can get saved at the grocery store. They can get saved on the phone. But the Father's looking for people who will yield and commit and surrender to the call. Jesus didn't save you just to get it and get to heaven. He saved you because there's people who are dependent on whether or not you'll live what you say you believe. Did you get that? And if we are a church, which I know this is a church, that we live what we believe, 
then there should be a desperation in our heart that reaches out to as many people as we possibly can and we're concerned about the lost and we're bringing them and we're telling them and we're compelling them because of the love that compels us. If you have a burden for the lost and you've got lost people in your family, would you come to the front? You got lost people in your family or you got a, a burden for the lost, would you come to the front? That should be every person. When you get here, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And and let your heart break right now, seriously. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And if you feel like raising your hands as a sign of surrender, I highly recommend you do that because when you do that, you become a yielded vessel. So if you feel comfortable, raise both your hands, whatever you want to do. But I can't make you love people but I can show you the love of God that changed all humanity, that said what was unlovable is lovable now, and I receive it because it knows me and is covered by my blood. And see, that's the words of Jesus. But our hearts should literally break that there are those around us who do not even know, and all God is doing is waiting on you if you'll say yes to the call. Tim, not a single fisherman that was asked by Jesus said no. The Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed after Jesus. He's waiting on you to say yes this morning. And I just want to pray with you before we worship with the last song. Let boldness and let the Spirit of God reign more in your life than ever before, and those you speak to, you'll speak with the authority of the Word of God, and they'll receive what you say because they'll see relationship and not religion. They need Jesus.